0: Well, that audio is from November last year, the 28th, when Woolamai began a new picnic racing season, which was, of course, delayed. There were meetings lost. We would have meetings with no one on track, apart from those involved from the industry. And we'd have terrific meetings now with thousands gathered. It's been a challenging season, but once again, picnic racing has shown its resilience. You are with Andrew Cuse on RSN. We're about to welcome a number of very special guests into our studio. I guess you could say a picnic racing panel. And the first of those joining us, a man that looks after picnic racing for CRV. I'm talking about Gary Buckley. Gary, how are you? Thank you for being with us in our studios.
1: Pleasure being here, Andrew.
0: November the 28th, 2020, it was a delayed start. Can you take us back to the months and weeks and even days before Woolamai did race and your thoughts as to whether picnic racing would even get underway last year?
1: Well, Andrew, we had um, thoughts that we'd be able to start our normal season on um, Cox Plate Day at Alexander, but, of course, we got delayed and delayed and delayed. We lost our first six race meetings for the season and we started at uh Wollemoy on in late November and that was with limited crowds and partic- uh, actually no crowds participants only but um we managed to um keep going during the year and we had um uh, of course under covid conditions and restricted numbers but we managed to um get going and stay going for the whole year
0: Joining us in our panel soon will be Dennis Smith from the Yay Picnic Race Club, Terry Mulcahy, of course, from Bell Naring, and Peter Bonn, of course, a leading bookmaker in picnic racing, but a key part of the social media he and his wife put together each and every week covering the uh, picnic racing, a tremendous effort indeed. They'll be joining us soon in our panel here at RSN. One of the big challenges, uh, Gary, about picnic racing is, of course, in many cases... Without televised uh, racing or even radio coverage at times, picnic racing goes hand in hand with people on track, prize money and so on. So one of the big challenges early on was, uh, A, to have prize money for picnic racing clubs and to have people maybe on track. Take us through the discussions in getting picnic racing going again compared to, say, normal tab meetings. Well, we
1: were very for- fortunate uh, to get a lot of support from Racing Victoria in regard to prize money. We lost the first six race meetings and there was the, the funding for that was reallocated to the remaining 27 race meetings for the season. So we were able to fund the um, remaining meetings of full prize money for $4,000 an ordinary race, $6,000 for a, um, a cup race and uh, the, the clubs actually contributed $1,000 towards that. And that was the only outlay the clubs had for the year. So under difficult circumstances the clubs were looked after fairly well. And I think that um, both uh, Dennis and uh, Terry will agree with that in the discussions later on, that Racing Victoria and Country Racing Victoria this year have managed to look after the clubs very well.
0: Gary Buckley with me here in our RSN studios, our picnic panel. Let's welcome another special guest. We just uh, mentioned his name there, the Secretary Manager or President. In fact, I forget his role these days, but he is the voice of Yay Picnic Race Club, Yay St. Pat's. Picnic Racing Club these days uh, in Dennis Smith. Dennis, thank you for being with us here at RSN. How are you?
2: Not too bad, Andrew, and uh, glad to be back with you again. I've been in studio with you before, but uh, not for a very long time.
0: Yes, you you certainly have. Um, Well, your race club summed up a lot of uh, the myriads of what Picnic Racing had as a challenge. You had a meeting lost at the start of the season that did not go ahead. You had a meeting where you decided not to have people on track. And then, of course, uh, you've had meetings since which did have people on track. So for Ye, it's been challenging very much so in many reasons.
2: It has. And um, that was a bit controversial the fact that we didn't. We maybe could have raced a tier one meeting in December. But with it being so close to Christmas, if there'd been any COVID on track at all, what would have happened is that. Uh, we have all everyone on course, including the committee, and volunteers would have had to be tested either on Christmas Eve or christmas day and that's not fair to volunteers to to let that happen, so we made a participants only, we ran a good meeting, had good uh, horse support, and then we ran on again on in January and February
1: with crowds. Well, both your, your January and February meetings were quite successful, Dennis. You had uh, fairly good crowds at those. Under difficult cir- circumstances, with one race meeting, we had to use the bubble there. and the second race meeting, you were, um, there was no need for the bubble. No,
2: the bubble made a few things difficult. It didn't really affect the people, the, the attendees so much. The fact that we couldn't have children's events, and other entertainment, that was a bit of a drawback. But people were made well aware of that in our publicity. They knew they were coming to a race meeting. They could come and have a get-together with their friends and that. And people accepted that and did it successfully, uh, several groups. said, we'll come next year. We're happy with that.
0: Gary, we mentioned there that Ye opted not to have people on track when they could have, or we would see one of the very popular meetings, I think, Drew and went ahead without people on track and so on. Um. As an administrator at CRV, uh, were you expecting different responses for different picnic race clubs due to circumstances or opinion? Because, of course, a lot of talk about whether the picnics would go ahead and then could people be allowed on track and suddenly there was the green light for that to happen. But then you were faced with some clubs saying to you, we don't want that to happen.
1: Well, it was very few clubs, Andrews, that that uh, did say that. But we, we have to respect the clubs um, making those decisions and and f- the reasons why they did because it was just too difficult for them as volunteers to manage to put the bubble up, uh, separate patrons, and do all the all the issues with the jockeys and the participants there on the particular days. But um, overall, the picnic clubs did an amazing job, like the professional clubs, in keeping racing going. We were very fortunate that we, our, our horse numbers were kept up this year. Um, I think we had something just over a 1,000 horses start for the
0: um, 27 race meetings that we've managed to uh, run for the year. Let's welcome another special guest to our picnic panel here at RSN. We're looking back at a challenging but successful picnic racing season. President of the very busy Balnaring Race Club. They lost an early meeting but would then have a strong season. And also joining us here at RSN in our studios, uh, Terry Mulcahy. Terry, welcome along. How are you?
3: Thank you, Andy. Very good. And uh, welcome. Uh, Good to be back.
0: It's... uh you're one of the busiest clubs, I think equal busiest in terms of meetings Hell, but you lost your first meeting, but then you would have one of the very first early meetings with crowds. post Woolamai, I think you'd be either the second or third meeting that would have crowds on track. Can you tell us the pressures or nervousness that not only would you be a, a race club racing in the new picnic season, but you'd be uh, watched on with, uh, well, hopefully protocols followed with people on track?
3: Yes, we were one of the first, and um, we had to Followed all the protocols. Um, there was a lot of work that went on early, um, to get, you know, our tier three, uh, meeting up and running. And I must say our secretary and one of our vice presidents, they were given the job, uh, to, to get this up and running. And they did a sterling job in getting the paperwork completed and in, uh, and, uh, getting us on board to, to run the race meeting.
1: Uh, Terry, the uh, paperwork that was involved, um, I'm aware of it, but there was a lot of uh, paperwork that had to be done, get into the uh, health department, and get your, the first meeting was done with a tier three, and after that, you managed to get your tiers up to a tier two, which mean, meant that you could have, have up to 5,000 people on course. I... The, the paperwork was enormous and the clubs that, not many clubs managed to submit for a tier two. The majority of them just settled for a tier three, but you, you and your committee managed to uh, get the remainder of your race meetings up for tier two, which means you could have had up to 5,000 people on course. And the contact tracing and that was a fairly big element involved in that on the
3: day. It was a huge job. Um, Gary, uh, and as I said before, you know the work that our people put in was was astounding. The hours that they put in as volunteers again um, you know to get to be allowed to have five thousand people there it's it's like getting back to a normal race day. Um, you mentioned the bubble earlier there that that did cause a few problems early, but again, uh, we got around that we had uh, we were able to put the bubble up virtually the day before the races. We'll finish it off on the day of the meeting. And um, most people did abide by what they were told and asked to do.
0: So, Gary, the bubble essentially is a separation of industry participants to others. Is that right? Is that the best? Can you explain in picnic racing how the bubble was laid out? Because one of the big differences between clubs I interview on air is that, as you say, picnic of volunteers, people that are a couple of meetings a year... And suddenly they're placed with this importance that they have to put together something that resembles a government protocol. So just explain us the picnic bubble, what that actually means in layman's terms.
1: For, for a fairly lengthy period whilst we were racing, both at the professional and, and then when picnic started, there had to be a separation of industry participants and the general public. And it had to have an, a metre and a half separation. So you had... Sort of two fences with a meter a meter and a half there, and it was a fairly large task to get the professional picnic clubs to do to undertake that by setting it up and then dismantling it so it was a, um, a an expense and a um, hard task to get done, but we but they managed to do it all the way through, and then later on, the bubble was removed, I think it was removed in the middle of um, no, early February, I think it was, or late January. And, you know, the, the likes of Dedarang, which is a, um, Deterang's a, what is it? It's a, about 80 K's of, sort of south, um, east of um, Wodonga. And they, they applied for a tier uh, two this year, which, gave them the right to have 5,000 5, on course. They managed to get 1,300 people there, so that was a pretty big effort for them under very difficult circumstances, but by then the bubble was gone.
0: Our picnic racing panel on RSN. Now, Terry, I'll ask you first, then we'll get Dennis' thoughts. So one part of the race club experience in this past season for a lot of the year was pre-booking, advanced purchases. In some cases, you couldn't buy a ticket at the gate, and that's a whole new mindset for picnic people. So many people pack a rug or two and head out there and now they're being told they had to stay in specific areas. In some cases, this is your seat and so on. And you can't buy a ticket on the day and wait to see if it's going to be 28 degrees or 15 and rain. How did Belnarring cope with again, a new, a new experience for the club, but also for your race goers at Belnarring to have to pre purchase tickets?
3: To start off with that, we thought it could be a, um... Uh, a, a a real minefield but it worked really well at the, at the first race meeting and continued on through to the second and it just it just worked very well toward the end we were allowed to sell tickets at the gate uh with with uh with tracing and that going on and it really it worked quite well
0: and dennis you've mentioned before that uh take in, in the nice way you have a, you have an older type of uh, crowd up there people that perhaps in their wildest dreams don't buy internet tickets and so on so how did yay cope with this different way of having people advance book to your racetrack
2: well they had to cope and obviously it, uh, it cost us some crowds uh, luckily we only well we could only hold it a thousand and we we're getting around that number so it I didn't push the issue um, and for the last meeting the St Pat's meeting we actually sold some tickets in the street. That wasn't a huge success. We advertised we'd do it, but by then people, had that was the Saturday before, the Sunday, and people had made their mind up by that time they're either going or not. People, the children, a group of children thought they weren't going to come, the ones that were going to come and have a, a party. I made an... Our gatekeepers are from Rotary. They're not the youngest people in the world either. It was a different thing for them, the checking in and everything. And, um, through my own stupidity, I suppose I tried to ring every group booking and then get the numbers of those people coming in, the names of those people coming. So we had a, a double check all the way through and put the, put the uh, areas down on the ground and allocated them. I must say, um, and I went to a lot of meetings on Picnic working groups. So I get around and I had a horse running around that kept running seconds and thirds and that. So I kept following it, stopped backing it in the end. But he also did a marvellous job. They, they probably, if you're looking at work to regulation, they were probably the tightest of the lot that I saw. Uh, Chris there, their secretary is used to setting up events and, and events that have protocols and he was marvellous at that.
0: Our picnic racing panel, another member in our busy RSN studio today. We're broadcasting right across the state. Great to have all of our country relays with us. Our talk about picnic racing, very much a passion here at RSN. And, uh, well, without crowds on track, the Race Day experience, I guess, was different and not much point in bookmakers being there, although these days on the phone and online. But uh, Peter Bond, long time bookmaker and of course a key part of social media, the work that he and his partner do with keeping people up to date with the picnic bet and picnic racing websites and social media. Peter,
4: thank you also for being with us. How are you? Yeah, good thanks, Andrew. Thanks for inviting me back again.
0: Well, people were waiting to see if they could enter horses. People were waiting to see if they would have um, race meetings to go to. You were waiting to see if there'd be meetings to field on or to even venture to. Can you tell us your thoughts going way back towards the month or two before the start of the picnic season? Were you thinking, this is not going to happen?
4: Yeah, we certainly thought it, thought that. Uh, we thought it would be a very lean year. Probably not like unlike what was happening to a lot of other people in the community where... They weren't working. Um, we figured that's what would happen to our year, but fortunately we, thanks to, you know, the clubs and all the volunteers, we, we did personally get to, um, 12 of the meetings we got to field on course. Um, they worked a roster system this year because the crowds were down. The RVL reduced the bookmakers and that's what only got us to 12 on course, but. This year we did launch Picnic Bet online and we were able to um, provide a service for online betting at picnics and that sort of had us working every meeting. Even though we weren't working on course, we would still go to the meetings um, and just sort of operate the off course on the meetings we weren't allocated. Now that wasn't as good as the on course never is because picnics aren't followed like um, traditional racing so you don't get the kind of betting turnover but you know it was good to be able to go to every meeting keep up with the form and you know sort of keep your eye in uh, rather than sort of chop and change in and out of meetings like some of the other bookmakers had to.
0: So we're told that turnover was fantastic for the main racing industry come the start of the spring and so on what about for you and people not being on track and that did picnic racing uh, takings continue for you was there upkeeping interest uptake in interest in picnic racing and betting or
4: um, there wasn't really a change in interest because the people, because you don't tend to get that off course focus for picnics. It's the people that go there that tend to bet on the picnics. But of the meetings that we worked at where you're on course, and it was, this was the same for all the other bookmakers I'd spoken to, because the numbers were reduced. Turnover per bookmaker, um, per meeting was typically up. And, um, you know, when they worked, they got to have a good meeting rather than when they were there on a meeting with a full ring and lots and lots of competition, um, you know, it could be a bit leaner.
0: And good fields, as Gary Buckley mentioned, whether it's the right word, surprisingly strong, strong numbers of horses entered, which a bigger race is better to bet on for uh, both parties, the putter and yourself. Was that something that was... Were you able to keep ahead of the form, given some places there are restrictions, making sure you're one step ahead of the punter? What was it like in terms of what was a strong season for racing?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the key ingredients of picnic racing, from my experience over the years, is to have good, strong fields. Those years when we used to get um, two and three runners in a race, um, they're well, well and truly behind us. And they really used to affect the product badly. Um, typically, you know, punter, you can tell straight away when you have a small weak field, you know, betting turnover drops off, punter interest, interest absolutely drops off. But this year, and it's been growing every year over the last few years, we've had very strong nominations. We end up getting good acceptances. Quite often there's, um, emergencies allocated. So we get full fields and it makes a big difference to both the betting and, I think the customer satisfaction about the product is um, a lot better.
1: Yeah, I think the um, the, the field sizes does um, help with the customer satisfaction, and of course that helps with the, your turnover on course and the tote turnover as well. Of uh, the of the um, twenty six meetings this year, but uh, because um, there was no bookmakers at drew in, the turnover the turnover was um, by my figures was fairly good. Um, book, both bookmakers and tote. Um, it, it's in comparison to last year because it, uh, it's n- good, but not, not down as much as what I probably thought both would be. But field sizes were good this year. Yep. We're very lucky to have, um, support of some very good trainers like K- Troy Kilgour, um, raced horses at every race meeting, I think, for the whole year. And when Don DeWire went around and there's Die Clover and there's, um, um, Manning's and all those sorts of people, but we have a good support of the picnic
0: uh, trainers out there. We're talking picnic racing on RSN. Celebrating Victoria's country racing. I can feel
3: this
4: RSN 927.
0: Yes, you are with Andrew Q's a very special picnic panel. We're wrapping up the recent picnic season to spot all the challenges of the pandemic. It went ahead. Lots of great stories, lots of great uh, race days and joining me in the studio, Gary Buckley from CRV, Dennis Smith from yay, Terry Mulcahy from Bell Naring, Peter Bon from the picnic uh, racing uh, website and bookmaker as well. Now, Gary, in, in terms of, um, things we've learnt, and we cross fingers things will improve over the years ahead, but who knows what's happening with this pandemic, but what was the biggest positive, um, to come out of the last, uh, eight or nine months? Has there been something that picnic racing will take forward? It, it's always been talked about. It, it is a very professionally run race day, but it's a, a country feel, but, were there some positives to come out of some of the challenges that will be learnt going forward? Well,
1: I think, I think there is. And one of the, one of the big positives for, that I'm getting vibes back on from a couple of clubs, and I'll ask Terry and Dennis if it's, um, if it is with their, uh, clubs as well, is the, the pre-purchase of the encore, uh, pre-purchase of the ticketing. I'm, uh, the clubs, the, Punter gets on the line and purchases his, his uh, tickets. The money comes in and it goes directly out to the clubs. They have it straight away. And they know roughly how many people at this stage, when we've had limits of the 1,000 and the 5,000, but what they were going to have on course. And that was helping them with their other uh, facilities of catering, etc., I'm getting vibes that um, the clubs had some um, resentment to it early in the piece, but now I'm getting the vibes but that, uh, that they're really grasping it and they think it'll be the thing of the future. Is that the case down there at uh, Bel Nourring, Terry?
3: It definitely is, Gary. Um, we found that uh, buying tickets online, we know how many are coming. Um, we can um, up the, the amount of food trucks and so forth that are coming. Will add some more uh, entertainment for the children, and and it does make it easier for the clubs uh, in in the lead up to the race meeting. And Dennis, yeah.
0: is that something? I mean, because you did mention before there was a few of your patrons that are not used to doing that, but now they have to get used to that. Or,
2: well, they they have to. Um, I noticed that some of the older people that used to come along to the races probably weren't there. Um, if we can, we were probably. Previously, because we've had this online stuff for s- several years, we've pushed it through the website, uh, and Darren Galley and his team have been marvellous in mm-hmm. publicising. So we're getting people, groups up from Melbourne, and they're booking and booking groups. They get it. Uh, I think after this year's experience, we'll probably go from about a 50-50 gate next year. I'm hoping to about a 75-25 of pre-booked and cash. So, well, we'll we'll see what happens.
0: Peter Bond, you're right about a lot of the um, experiences of country racing. It's also on the social media. Have we already recaptured the spirit and the feel of what a day at the picnics is like? Although a lot of meetings did go ahead with bubbles and there were some talk about people not, weren't close enough to the action and felt as though they wanted to be near the horses and so on, but... In the main, have have we recaptured the spirit of what picnic racing is all about?
4: Oh, we didn't have the vibe this year, there's no doubt. Um, and, yeah, like that's just a byproduct of having to have barriers up. Uh, people can't get around the saddling paddock and close to all those things that they used to. But we'll get that back next season. Um, and for the meetings that went forward, we mightn't have got it back there 100%, but certainly the latter part of the season when the numbers were there, it was still a pretty good, a pretty good atmosphere all around. Actually, one of the questions I just want to ask the guys with respect to the, um, the booking online, like I certainly got a lot of feedback about I wouldn't bother going because it's too much of a hassle. Um, and we even see that in other spheres, you know, like I go to the football. There's a lot of people not turning up at the football because it's just too much of a hassle to book a ticket. They can't just bunch up with their mates and go and do that sort of stuff. So. So I'm just wondering with the online, um, obviously the clubs would prefer it because it helps them with their organisation, etc. But there's this other component that it's a hassle so they're not going to go. Is there some opportunity to offer an incentive to book online, like be it a discounted ticket or you pay more for um, when you've got to front up cash or whatever?
3: I think... Uh, Fifteen dollars to go to the races is is a pretty cheap day out. Um, I don't think we would be offering uh, an incentive like that, and we we are now um, letting people buy the tickets at the gate. So I think we at Erring we've sort of overcome that problem.
2: We have given incentives at Yay before, and uh, well, I suppose it's worked. People people do book online, do book a bit earlier. I think what we've got to all got to do. Go back and uh, provided there, and hopefully by the end of October when it starts again, and early November when we race, mid November we race again. The protocols will be that low that we'll be able to go back to the start and say, Picnic racing's back, um, you can book online, you can do it. Maybe we will offer an incentive to, to get people to do that, but also we hope to push the thing we've got children's entertainment and. And picnics um, and fashions on the field and that sort of thing. Look, we were told we were not allowed to do a lot of things and our club stuck to those. Some other clubs didn't quite stick to them. A couple of bands turned up and there's a little bit of fashions we saw. Um well it'll all be back next year. We'll have everyone'll have everything. We'll be on an equal footing and hopefully we'll have a great season because of it.
0: Gary, we've obviously got Bell Nowing with us and Yay. Just would you like to talk about a few? We can't talk about them all, but a few of the other clubs across the state in how you thought they handled the uh, the last uh, seven months or so. Well, in
1: regard to um, the bubbles and and the other things, the, the two that are really outstanding. Besides, uh, besides um, were were actually uh, Woolamai and Heelsville, The way they went about it, mm-hmm. Wooloomai, unfortunate, um, they had uh, their race meeting schedule for the Saturday. Of the three day lockdown, and they they had nine hundred and something
0: people. they had to tell people they couldn 't come. that must have been a, a terrible situation for adam that uh, here we have a situation where we 're trying to get people to the track, and now you have people booked, and you say you 're not coming, and how do you actually arrive at the ones that don 't go and the last one in
1: i look, I have forgotten how he did it, but he <laughs> did he managed to. He started to with relatives, <laughs> I think. No, no, that's
0: not true.
1: <laughs> he did a very good job in cutting it from 900 and something down to the maximum number he could have there was 300. But it's, um, look, there was a lot of extra work for clubs over that period of time. They all managed to do it fairly well, very well. And they are, it's, it's, let's just hope that we don't have another, um, lockdown and when we get back racing in October that we can have um, may still be tracing on course but we'll have to just deal with that and I think the state government's um, new um, app will um, help us all that way.
0: Our picnic racing panel Andrew Cues with you Peter Bond from the picnic racing uh, picnic bet uh, and the website, Gary Buckley from CRV, Dennis Smith from Yay, and Terry Mulcahy from Valnaring.
2: Just to take um, up Gary's point there about the tracing and everything like that, I think by or by, well, by now and certainly by the start of the picking season, people are used to signing in, click, clocking a QR code or even the people that haven't got that are anxious to sign their name. I think we've got people rolling in that direction, so that's not going to be an issue. And I, I think if that's all we have to do, We probably will still have to do that. Uh, We'll be back. Probably that'll be our normal. As long as
0: they're signing correctly, because your surname would be a common one for people just to type into some cafe or that just as they're travelling through. For some reason, people don't want to give their address. Um, Can I ask about, it was a terrific growing last few months. Farmers tell us that the rain mixed with sunshine has just been heaven sent. Maintenance of racetracks, I guess in a lot of areas of Victoria, There were no travel restrictions, so for a lot of people, life went on. But volunteers and people working at racetracks, Gary, how did you think the tracks were maintained and presented for race day over the picnic season? Well...
1: um... Except for probably one or two meetings, the tracks were presented in a fairly good manner, very similar to the previous couple of seasons. What we must remember with picnic racing is that there is not one person that man, that helps on the track or that, to my knowledge anyway, gets paid anything. It's all done via volunteers. The preparation, the repairs to the track after the race meeting, the cutting, the watering and the and, um, general maintenance of it, not only of the track, but of all the facilities around there, is all done by volunteers.
0: Now, we've had some of the acknowledgements. I'm not sure if there'll be a Picnic Racing Awards night again. It was lost last year, of course, due to the COVID. But did you want to run through some of the different winners of categories and acknowledgements, Gary, in this past season? Uh,
1: yes, thank you. The Horse of the Year this year was one was won by Ken, uh, Ken Getter get a witness, it had 10 starts. It was, tra- it was trained by Don De- DeWire. It had five wins at um, uh, uh, one second, and it had a right strike rate of um, 50%, and it won uh, 11,600. The second horse for the year was All Brown, uh, Troy Kilgower's horse. It had 13 starts, and it had a strike rate of uh, 304 the leading rider for the year was um um sean um sean cooper sean uh, had hundred and fifteen rides and a lot of those were for don DeWire. and uh he had thirty one wins uh, twenty seconds nineteen thirds and uh but total prize money he won for the year was uh, not he won the horses won was 93,500 with a strike rate of 27% second was Grant Seacom Grant had 136 rides Um, he had um, a strike rate of 14% and the third was Caitlin King and she had 108 rides winning 17 races and a strike rate of 15% trainer of the year Don DeWire Don had um, 61 starters for the year, 21 first 10 seconds and 7 thirds um, his prize money total, 55770 for the year. And uh, Troy Kilgour was second. He did have 167 starters. I did say earlier that he, uh, he was a great supporter of country racing. He had 20 uh, wins, 29 seconds and 24 uh, thirds. And Monica Sid had 34 starters for the year. So... Um, Don DeWire also managed to... Uh, I'm sorry, it was uh, Troy managed to win um, uh, two cups, I think, in two weeks or three weeks, was it?
2: Yes, up in the high country.
1: And uh,
0: Now, uh, Dennis, uh, Terry, Peter, Gary, if you wanted uh, anything you want to raise or any issues or topics you wanted to chat about today in our studios from this past season yeah, or picking race uh, Peter? Just
4: back on the stats before we finish up on those. Um, the other thing I noticed, Don DeWire... He had four of the top eight contenders for Horse of the Year. So, you know, just an incredible effort uh, from him from a training perspective this year.
0: I've interviewed him. He's an amazing chap. I haven't met him in person. You obviously all have. But I've interviewed him a couple of times. David Manning, who works here, uh, said, have a chat to this Don Dwyer. He's a real character. This was before he really started to train a few winners. It was a couple of years ago, and he just presented to me as this cowboy-type larrikin. He, he was involved in harness racing in New Zealand, breaking horses mm. in, and uh, he calls a spade a dirty great big shovel at times, and I think he's had a few run-ins, but he's a, he's a real country bloke, isn't he? Yeah,
4: yeah uh, a great job. And the other thing yeah. um, that happened this year too that took, I took a bit of notice of, uh, Jack Vergona. like last season, he did not ride a winner, this um, young jockey, and he's come out this year, and I think he rode 12, 12 winners. And if he doesn't get the most improved ride, I don't know how to sort of call the shots before the <laughs> night, but there'd have to be something wrong, like an incredible improvement. And then just towards the end of the season, we had a, a new jockey, Tyson Barton. A
0: winner in his first ride.
4: Wins yeah. his first, first ride, ride, and he's ridden five winners from 13 wow. starts. Yeah. Wow. You know, I can remember the champ of all time, Adam Bodie. He never rode... And I may not have this right, right, Adam, but I think you said it. He didn't ride a winner in his first 12 months of riding. And we've got um, Tyson Barton winning at his first and then five of 13. So, you know, you so, just wonder how good he was. So, he's Adam
0: Bodie is the name we associate with picnic racing. But I was reading the resume of Ray Douglas. Ten Belnarin Cups. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seven That's Yay Cups. Five LX. Uh, so... Where does Ray Douglas sit if we talk about Adam Bodie? I mean, it's quite a you know, it's longevity, yeah.
2: longevity, <laughs> right? And um, I think he um, he's quite happy to ride a horse that's ready, and then the, right. when they put the money on,
0: it really goes. And Jeff Brunsden is he's riding still at the age of seventy.
4: He
1: yep. is. At
0: what yes. point does he get the tap, or he? Ke- I don't know. That's 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 getting on, isn't it?
1: Uh that's a steward's issue, and right. I won't make any comments right, on okay. that. <laughs> Very diplomatic, eh? yeah, with no, with no.
2: that Barton. Um, just the way he sits on a horse, I've, I've had, I was, he's an associate of the Thompsons, who I know half reasonably well. So I kept an eye out for him when he finally got there. They had problems getting jump outs for him, the requisite number, so he, his start was delayed. But the way he sits on a horse, and I know I'm not going to get it from the chap beside, but if I could get double figures about him winning the mm. premiership next year, to be snappo.
4: Yeah, and it was interesting, the last meeting at Belnaring. um... Oh, who did you mention just
0: before? Well, well, Max Keenan, is that what you're going to bring up? Why did Max, he won last year's, was he Jockey of the Year last year? Yeah, he didn't definitely. ride again for months. Is that a weight issue, yeah, was it? It's a weight, weight he, issue, he came know. back to win the belt. He R- Naring. Yeah. two out of two on his return, so yes. that's an unusual situation. Yeah. yeah. Jockey of the Year last year, one of the best, and he couldn't ride. Is he waiting and waiting? And will he? Is it going to be an ongoing situation? He's very tall, lad, is isn't yeah,
4: he? Yeah, yeah. Look, he can only ride in the higher weighted, right. uh, when he... He gets a mount that's sort of up in the, uh, high sixties. Uh, he gets a, he gets a ride then. Adam he had that issue probably for the last four years of right. his
2: time. And he said that Smithy, the pain, he said, it's just getting too much. He said, I'll just stop one, once. And he did.
0: Now, Dennis, before we wrap it up soon, um, we'll leave it late in case you say something we have to kick out of the studio. You're always controversial. So anything you want to raise? We're very, very positive today, but there are a few issues at times. So you've got Gary Buckley here. We've got Terry and Peter. Anything you wanted to raise, uh, about your thoughts on picnic racing going forward? or
2: No, I think we're doing well. what I re- would really like to do is, is thank Gary and um, his influence with the board and RV that have uh, got the clubs looked after. So we're uh, not in a bad shape at the end of this season. Uh, there is um, We do have two Corinthian races, one at the start of the year and one at the end of the year. And uh, I think we've got some way of, we need to get some way of uh, making the opening race at least some sort of a almost a carnival thing to launch picnic racing. We need to get more bang for our buck. The RV are putting up twenty five grand. It's probably great for some of the trainers and the jockeys that are in it, but picnic racing itself isn't getting the value out of it it should. And that's something as a group of clubs we've probably got to work on, maybe with a bit of assistance from uh, Darren Gully's group. Who, by the way, does a marvellous job in promoting picnic racing? Uh, is the... that
0: also you? Mean, do you do you like the finish at Cranbourne that special race? I mean, it's good prize money in that, but is it um, to me? Picnic racing, racing is always picnic race clubs. So for some, it's a strange sort of race that's on a card at Cranbourne, which is suburbia these days. But do you like that? That I guess that you'll take any race you can get. What do you think of that race at Cranbourne each year at the moment? Well,
2: for the for the. For the participants in that particular race, it's marvellous. Uh, We probably need to tweak with the conditions a little, uh, but I won't go any further than that. That'll be right next year.
4: Yeah, look, I'm a bit of a supporter of it. Um, We got along there this year, and fortunately, it aligned with the industry night at Cranbourne, Um, so we sort of got a table up there with the VBA, and um, that made it a good night. But um, the things I thought were great about it, we had Ben Spall, our picnic race caller, calling the event, and he got an opportunity to call a couple of other races. Adam Olzanski, an ex picnic um, race caller who cut his teeth on that circuit, he was calling the whole meeting at um, Cranbourne. But the race was strong, um, very competitive, and I think it's a good, a good publicity for picnic racing. And I take what. Um, is being said about, you know, for the money, you're getting the bang for buck. That's hard, hard to judge, but I'd hate to see it not there. I think it's good, um, for picnic racing.
1: Well, I didn't, I doubted up until probably six weeks beforehand if, we, if we were going to get it up is, um, in, uh, April this year. But anyway, we did because of, um, because there was still had to be separation of riders and that. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, Cranbourne did a fairly good job of that. Mm. And um, it is giving the, the um, picnic riders an opportunity to ride on a, an excellent yeah. track, and it is a form of promotion. Perhaps we do need to um, um, give it a bit more of a, uh, a jolt with some other, but a little bit of promotion. But it 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 is showing that we are out there, especially the early meeting, Gary, the the opening meeting. Well, yeah, we're going to have horses ready for that as well, Dennis, but yeah.
4: And do you get a sense, Gary, of um, what the promotional benefits fl- are that flow from it? Like, do we get any feedback or it's hard to judge? Uh, I,
1: I, I haven't got any feedback from it in actual fact, but I, I, I know, well, there's interest in it. There mm. is interest in it. So I would say, yes, we do get some, some mm. overflow uh, of attendances at meetings from mm. it.
0: Thank you all for being with us in the studio. Uh, to all of those listening from picnic racing clubs across the state, we really say well done on the season past. Those that could race, those that didn't race as well. And uh, we'll build on what's been a challenging but successful season. Gary Buckley from CRV, Dennis Smith from Yay, Peter Bonn and Terry Mulcahy. Thank you for being with us today. All the best going forward.
4: Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, thank you Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Celebrating Victoria's country racing.
0: I can
3: feel this thing.
4: on RSN 927.